0: This is One Person Inspiration, where we explore the untold and overlooked stories behind success of students and alumni in research. I'm Jennifer.
1: And I'm Maisha. This podcast is generously supported by the Hart House Good Ideas Fund. Today's guest is Bella Jung, an Indy 1T9 plus PEY who recently earned her Master's of Applied Science in Industrial Engineering, both from the University of Toronto. If you're an industrial engineering student specializing in human factors, She's TA'd in a bunch of undergraduate courses in in human factors and MIE, or mechanical and industrial engineering. So you've probably been taught by her at some point. For the past few years, Bella's research interests have been in quality improvement and user experience in healthcare and product management. She has deeply pursued these interests at a lot of the top labs and organizations in Toronto that work in the healthcare human factors space. She completed her PUI at the Healthcare Human Factors Group at the University Health Network, evaluating medical devices and mobile health applications. And for a few years, she was a research assistant and UX lead at the Interactive Media Lab, led by Dr. Mark Chignell at the mechanical and industrial engineering department at U of T. Partway through her time at the Interactive Media Lab, Bella led over 20 undergraduate and graduate students in building and iterating technologies for aging populations as the manager of Centivizer, which is the spin-off company from the Interactive Media Lab. Bella's undergraduate thesis was named the best undergraduate senior project in industrial engineering from the University of Toronto, and she has received multiple research recognitions from AgeWell, MITACS, and the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. So Bella was my teaching assistant and mentor in the undergraduate engineering course MIE344, which is digital UX design. Uh, I'm really glad that we could have you join us today, Bella. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So we love to kick these um, episodes off with the single question. It's pretty common across our guests. Uh, so how did you end up in engineering?
2: That's a great question. Uh, so my father is a very talented mechanical engineer, and he became an uh, engineering manager later in his career. Uh, he loved his profession. When I was a kid, he always... Brought me uh, to his factory and showed me around. Uh, I was inspired by his innovation, creativity, and passion for what he does. It's a lot of family influence, then.
1: Have, yeah. I think that's a very common thing, actually, when I was in engineering. I don't know if Jennifer, like you also relate, a lot of my friends, I think, I don't know if you relate to this, Bella, also. Um, mm-hmm. like I didn't have a great idea of what the engineering program would be like or even kind of what I what could come of the things I do as an engineer. Did mm-hmm. you do kind of relate to that? Like, did you always know? I mean, you grew up kind of, as you mentioned, touring factories mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that your dad worked in. But does that like resonate with you
2: at all? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I would say um I was surrounded by aunties and uncles who work in engineering and they would tell me what they do when we have family gatherings. Uh, so I guess to some extent, I know what engineering does. Uh, however, I learned more after I came to U of T and understand what engineering means for the future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, my dad grew, grew up in a generation where mechanical kind of engineering uh, was, um, you know, dominant industry, however, nowadays, you know, computer engineering and, you know, industrial engineering are becoming more of the trend. Uh, so I think our, the industries are changing. It's um, and what engineering means uh, is adapting to that trend as well.
0: Well, I totally relate to what Meisha just mentioned because I personally did not have parents who are uh, in engineering background. So engineering to me is purely just math and science. If you're good at mm-hmm. that, you can do engineering. Um, yeah, So, it, but it's really interesting because I think, as you've mentioned, like industrial engineering is kind of a tr- uh, becoming a trend in engineering, mm-hmm. So like to me, I had no idea what <laughs> industrial engineering is. I felt like after I <laughs> met Meisha and she introduced me to all the details on mm. what it is. So how did you end up choosing industrial engineering?
2: Excellent question. Um, so I, uh, when I was growing up and now I'm attracted to big picture thinking. And mm-hmm. uh, when my dad became a manager, he bought a lot of books on management and system design. Uh, when I look at those book titles, I was like, wow, I wanted to learn, I want to learn more about this someday in the future. Um, so when I was uh, applying to different you know, disciplines and noticed the description for industrial engineering covers you know, all the topics I'm kind of interested in, you know, I just am naturally drawn to such as uh, you know, uh, user experience, Uh, business management, process modeling, um, information system, system design thinking. Wow, all those things are the things I wanted to learn more about. Uh, That's why um, I started jumping into industrial engineering, and I love it.
1: Do you have a favorite course that you took in undergrad? Maybe a a first favorite couple of courses? Sure. Sure. uh, I also, thinking say, some course recommendations for myself <laughs>
2: Oh, okay definitely uh, definitely the t- uh, the course at TAU is one of my favorite like MIE 344 ergonomic mm. design of information system which is digital user experience design nowadays um and also I took sociology and I was super good at it I got like 96 oh. out of 100 for <laughs> a one year long course and I think, That's wild. That's so I, good. Uh, I think, um, you know, engineering students sometimes limit ourselves into courses offered by engineering faculties. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's um, there's a lot of value in checking out art and science courses and learn from peers who are in different disciplines. Uh, I learned a lot about looking at the world from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think uh, sociology was super fascinating to me as an engineer Um, and I become I became a more open-minded person uh, through that um, through taking that course so yeah I definitely think you know trying different things and explore what you enjoy and learning more about your strengths and areas of growth is really important as an undergrad student. Mm -hmm.
1: In a lot of ways uh, you know industrial engineering I think it's not super well understood i mean Mm -hmm. engineering is one thing but industrial engineering is a whole other it's like another level of not being understood like i think Mm -hmm. um when i was like i was actually in electrical engineering um and then i switched into the program because i didn't really get that i could do things like programming and also Mm -hmm. like data analytics and statistics Mm -hmm. um but uh a lot of industrial like you know you mentioned big picture thinking it's i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know too much about sociology maybe you can like enlighten me on that but um what I from what I know is also like another kind of big picture thinking right yes where you kind of it's just like you know like that you mentioned empathy and empathy is a huge part of design also Mm -hmm. and do you think that's been like helpful for you just to be Mm -hmm. able to explore that idea of thinking from higher vantage points from different fields
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah I think in sociology um they teach uh, how to look at different perspectives in a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. And in the past, I may subscribe myself to uh, one perspective and saying everyone else is against me or different from me. But through studying a sense of sociology, I start putting things in categories or like taxonomy, uh, and I know where I'm falling to and understand where other people are standing at. Um, and also just being able to explore other perspectives and learn the limitations of um, my perspective mm-hmm. so that I can uh, expand myself in new ways that I may not think about or consider.
1: Yes, yeah, and often like from an
2: academic perspective, so it's typically very thorough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So for example, when we are coming from one family, right, mm-hmm. we may be very conservative and we think, all the liberals are certain ways Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have certain biases towards those type of people However, through studying sociology i become more open-minded and i'm willing to be friends with uh, people who are different from me and i'm curious and i want to learn more about their perspectives
1: yeah that's awesome I wanted to, you know, there are a lot of parts of Indy you talked about how all, you kind of hinted at how broad it is. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of go over like what those areas of industrial engineering are, like the kind of that, that you can specialize in and why you chose human factors in the end?
2: hmm Yeah. So in industrial engineering, we have three uh, specialties, information system, uh, operational research, uh, human factors. Uh, so I choose Human factors, because I deeply care about the philosophy behind it, which is designing for people. And um, as a, I'm a people person, and mm-hmm. you know, like working on programming makes me feel very distant from human <laughs> beings. Like I, 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 am very dreadful of those times where I have to debug by myself for the whole day and not talking to anyone. But you, you know, human factors really allow me to conduct user research, connect with the end users, and be collaborative. So that's what I enjoy most about human fact, and knowing that I'm designing a more user-centered product um, and I'm serving people through product design and engineering, and that is really meaningful for me.
0: Hmm. I didn't know Indy has like different specializations, which I Mm -hmm. I should assume it does. Uh, (laughs) Just one monolith. Wait, Mm -hmm. so Meisha, is that something? So which one are you uh, doing or were you looking to pursuing?
1: I'm specializing in human factors right now. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do take some courses in the information systems mm-hmm. area. I think yeah. they split it up. They might have split it up even more into other things. Like they they even say like programming is one part of it when mm-hmm. they advertise the program. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, human factors. But I, I feel human factors actually, the special thing about indie is that it hosts a lot of knowledge that you you know we love to say that all the knowledge is available on the internet but there is specific like enterprise kind of you know b2b business to business kind of knowledge that you can only find in like a classroom or with an industry expert and i feel uh, like ergonomics some of the professors who are in human factors are the people to go to to learn those things uh so i actually took kind of this stream to do those things whereas i feel like a lot of the the programming side and the technical side Um, I wanted to learn uh, with, like, peer collaboration and support, but I've learned so much from people with human factors, and that's so special. Like, I think if I was in operations research, I might not have as much face-to-face time. I don't know if, like, Bella, you like relate to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Like, I feel I
1: might be doing a lot of problem sets or, you know, running code, which I like, but Mm -hmm. I think for coursework, right, I'm spending a lot of time in, in the classroom anyways.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think people who really pursue human factors love people, right? That's Mm -hmm. why they are staying in this profession. And uh, that's why we love talking to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah,
1: that's really great. Yeah, I
0: think this transition well into, I guess, just finding your your interest in general, but specifically in research interest because Mm -hmm. you also had research experience in your undergrad which I believe you worked at um, Interactive Media Lab. So can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about what the lab does and how you ended up choosing um, the lab and starting, I believe your second year? Is that Mm -hmm. when you started to work there? Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can talk about my research interests. Um, So when I was a kid, uh, I always wanted to be a professor. Uh, So uh, joining a research lab is the first thing I would consider when I enter university. And um, so Interactive Media Lab is a lab where computer scientists, human factor engineers, uh, uh, and also computer engineers, um, mechanical engineers collaborate to build Mm -hmm. um, innovative technologies. Uh, for different fields. Uh, we want to solve important problems in the society and it's a very big lab. Our lab probably have 20 to 30 people right now. And um, yeah, my prof is very good at organizing people and motivating them to uh, work together and, and yeah, I guess produce something really meaningful for the society. Um, I, have, I joined the interactive media lab in my third year after taking some human factors courses. Um, and I, I like uh, Professor Mark Chickno as a person, and I saw he was very friendly to work with. Um, I emailed multiple professors in human factors, but I was really drawn to his research interests. Um, uh, so when I was in high school. My grandfather um, suffered from dementia, Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to build solutions or better system for aging adults. Mm-hmm. So when I look at uh, Professor Mark Chickno's research interests, uh, he was um, doing research on dementia technologies or cognitive assessment. Uh, I saw, oh, this is this has some overlapped areas with where I'm, where I want, where I want to go into. Um, that's why I contacted him, and he uh, re- uh, replied to me, and the other mm. prof didn't. Uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I still love you. Um, <laughs> yeah, um Yeah, and then we start working together. Um, even though we have, I guess, different types of working style, however, we complement e- each other very well. Uh, we become very good work partners and uh, actually, stay in this life for the past five years, which is a really long time. <laughs> <Ranging> <laughs> considering <PhD>. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess um, uh, Professor Chikno uh, really identifies my strengths and gives me the opportunities I need. Um, you know, to learn and thrive in my life and in my career. And he cares about people personally, uh, which I really appreciate. He's not a micromanager, and mm-hmm. he always give me new new challenges and uh, also challenged me to think in new ways I wouldn't do before. And he mm-hmm. believes in me. So I re- I'm really grateful for the time we have had together. And he also has a good sense of humor. Um, you know, great eventually. Sense humor. <laughs> great sense of humor, yes. yes. Uh, I think, you know, eventually work becomes with the, pro- you know, I'm mainly composed with two components. Uh, the type of work you are doing, you know, a problem you care about. Mm-hmm. and the people you're working with. Um, right. I I love working with him and he's a fun person to be around. We joke about each other all the time. <laughs> it just makes me feel at home and I feel safe and uh, there's always things to learn about. Uh, that's why I have stayed.
0: Right. Just to curious on what role did you join us? Was it um a summer mm-hmm. research or or work-study position?
2: Right. I actually started in the fall. So I was doing part-time research uh, with Professor Chikno, and uh, I began with um, a literature research. So I started, oh. I started with small tasks, mm-hmm. and then I, pr- I proved myself useful and mm-hmm. productive. And then he gave me more tasks to do in terms of user research and web design. Um, and then eventually I stepped into a product manager role. Uh, I think you know, work, when you're working with someone new, um, you know, you need to build that trust. So my recommendation for younger students who are considering joining a research lab, you know, really treat your task at hand uh, with you know gratitude and also responsibility, right? And when mm. you prove yourself um you can do the task and you are able to do it well with excellence and dedication, you know, your your pro will be able to trust you more and give you bigger tasks to do. So if you can be entrusted with little things, and you know your, your professor will trust you with bigger things, I think that's what happened in my time at Interactive Media Lab. Uh, I was able to do small things well, and then I gradually start doing bigger things. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a really. Int- good point because usually when you start you often get assigned tasks either it's more you probably consider more simple or just Mm. repetitive Mm
2: -hmm. but then
0: like those opportunities you it takes time to uh to to get to right like the bigger Mm -hmm. task or the bigger projects Mm
2: -hmm. and that's a really good point Mm. yeah and I guess in the past few years I have been a manager to you know Quite a few students mm-hmm. um, and notice you know attitude is such an important aspect of working together and um, also be- what it means to be a good employee right uh, you know really being able to uh, serve your target audience try to be useful and do it with your best ability um, mm-hmm. you, know, you know making people feel your so are so important. I think eventually it's about gaining trust and creating that trustful environment with your colleagues and your boss. Mm -hmm.
1: There's this really awesome book that Mm -hmm. Jennifer knows about because Mm -hmm. I uh, always recommend it to her for work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called The Unspoken Rules by Mm Gore Gang. And -hmm. it's all about, it's from this um, Harvard Business Advisor who advises Harvard um, undergrads and their careers. And he's uh, he's from Toronto. He went to a high school in Toronto and then he did his undergrad at Harvard. And then he also did his MBA there. And he wrote this book about how to make the most of maybe your internship at like an early career professional. And it's by far, like I've read a lot of career guides, is by far like the most substantial non-fluffy guide to really mastering like the beginning of your career and understanding as you say, like how to empathize with even your manager and get a sense of what they're thinking. Um, because you know that, but like sometimes when you're inexperienced, like when I was inexper- inexperienced, I didn't have a great sense of it. And um, he starts it off with this very basic framework of um, like the three C's framework, which is which kind of dictates how you're going to be received at work and how well you're liked and how you'll be, you know, how likely you're going to be promoted or kept or, you know, like everyone will um, be responsive and receptive. And it's like, are you competent, which is what you spoke about, like, be, you know, excellence. And then also, are you committed, as you said, the attitude? And then um, are you compatible? Like, can we get along with you? And that's like those, if you can kind of combine those three, and it's kind of like a fine line that you're on, um, then you're like destined to do super well in it. pretty much any workplace. It's just the hard part is making sure you can meet those three expectations, the appropriate amount.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, I really love how you summarize everything we have it's said <laughs> it's a great great book I highly okay recommend it. I would I definitely actually,
1: check it out I actually connected with the author on LinkedIn and I told wow. him <laughs> and I told him like I'm so glad you wrote this like it's incredible he has freebies on his website also mm. where he decodes um like basic jargon like there are a lot of cultural differences between the language we use in um, North American countries versus a lot of other countries and for for perhaps international workers who are kind of immigrating and working here it can be hard to navigate that so he's released a dictionary for people to refer to as a guide and I thought those are like such small easy things practical but so beneficial for somebody um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's what reminded me of I love that I love like your perspective as a manager and I'm so glad that you could share that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Perfect. So I think now we wanted to go into a little bit. Now we're talking about work and internship into your PY experience, where you worked as a human factor engineering student at Mm Health Care of Human Factors. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about this experience and what you kind of learned from it, on how is it different from, for example, working in the Interactive Media Lab? What did you like about this experience, what you didn't like about this experience?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Healthcare Human Factors uh, is such a great organization to be part of. It has a group of um, human factors experts working in healthcare to improve uh, technologies um, and also processes um, at hospitals. Um, yeah, I, had, I really enjoyed my time there. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, people are very highly professional, uh, they are very dedicated to their work. Uh, you know, before I started my PUI, I thought I was a very hard-working student,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: uh, after I started working there, uh, there are so many people that <sighs> are more hardworking than me, and they're smarter than me, yes. so it's great to surround yourself with great minds, and I learned so much from their work ethic and also their skill sets, um, and also, I just grew a lot as a person uh, doing my PUI. I learned a lot about professional behavior, communication, mm-hmm. and also how to do usability testing. While well, con- I conducted maybe over 100 usability testing with medical devices. Wow. Um, yeah, it was are really doctors interesting. and nurses like professionals yeah so okay. depending on the, the medical device we may test the product with uh, pharmacists or uh, physicians or nurses it really depends on the product mm-hmm. um, yeah I think it was great to interact with clients and, um, and they are usually from different countries so it's healthcare human factor is more like a consulting company mm-hmm. um so they take in you know projects from different medical device companies uh, which are based in germany france um, the usa um from everywhere um, right. so it was great to work with you know uh, clients from all over the world um also i was i got to work on some quality improvement project at uh, San Diego Hospital for half a year. It was fun mm-hmm. experience as well. I was interviewing, I was interviewing for a job this week, and that mm-hmm. job description basically asked me to do something similar. Um, right. So yeah, I feel like you never know what you do right now will lead to the next step.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go back to what you mentioned, how the PY experiences were the most you got is the people surrounding yourself with like bright-minded people and Mm -hmm. I really feel that when I started actually finishing my PY right Mm -hmm. now I feel this experience is so different from school because you surround yourself with and like you have group of engineers who are Mm -hmm. older than you who have more experience and this is the first time you get to feel like these are the people that you meet, people that you look up to, or you see their mm-hmm. work ethic and you see how they like uh, interact in work in professional workplace and everything. So I thought this was definitely, I think, one of the most rewarding part on being in the PY or being having the work, professional work experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: And also, I think. Uh, when you are a student, you know you decide what kind of academic performance you want, right? Yeah. Now, if I would just, if I'm just satisfied with a B, okay, fine with me, <laughs> right? It doesn't affect anybody, right? Yeah. However, when you are at a workplace, you are engaging with different stakeholders, your boss, yeah. your colleagues, and your clients, your end users. You want to do the best what you can, and I yeah. think holding yourself to the highest standards was something really valuable I took away uh, from healthcare factors
1: Right because your work is going to propagate through your company in some way.
2: Yeah and also mm-hmm. I want to uh, serve better for my um, yeah, target yes. user yeah mm-hmm. so I want to do my best work as pos- yeah, as much as possible.
1: What are some observations that you made during your usability test since you mentioned you did a lot of those um, that maybe we wouldn't expect as people not in the field but you, you noticed a lot of or something that happened?
2: Huh. I think it comes back to why we do human factors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we engineers, uh, technologists, create all those amazing technology and think they will do what they can do, right? However, when you see the end users use the product, you know it doesn't get done that the way you want. Okay. Um, so I think being able to see, um, you know, how users actually uh, interact with the product
1: mm-hmm.
2: helped me understand why we should do user research and the value of human factors. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, human factors and user experience are gaining more popularity in the past few years, more and more hospitals and uh, technology organizations have paid more attention to you know, the, the I guess, uh, integration of user experience into what they do in product development. So this yes. is great, um, you know, there, there are tons of jobs in user experience now. And I think that's a great sign that we are paying attention to the customers. and really try to create, you know, better products for the end users.
0: Wow. So that's, that's really cool. And then you also had another really interesting experience where you were the manager of Centervisor, which is also, um, which I guess you touched a little bit about before. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you want to go explain a little bit on what uh, Centervisor do? do? And Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about this, your this role, I guess, in this experience, because I guess it's a little different. Then mm-hmm. um, the other, either it's like working at the lab or working on a PUI. This is because you're actually managing a group of uh, undergraduate and graduate students. So what? Mm-hmm. how was this different for you and what, what you learned from this experience?
2: OK, cool. Um, yeah, so um, Professor Chikno was founded by HWAL um, to mm-hmm. conduct research in aging and developing some technologies for, you know, um, Act, you know, physical activation and cognitive assessment. So I was very fortunate to be part of this big project. Mm-hmm. Um, after a couple of years of him working on this project, he developed a couple of tech products and then he founded this company Sintivizer uh, to commercialize uh, what he um, developed in that research project. And um, I guess I stepped into this manager role out of need. For the company, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you don't really, uh, I, I guess. Uh, sometimes opportunities just knock on your door when you are ready. Um, so I was managing over a small project before I step up to be the manager, as supervisor, right. and then uh, Professor Chikno saw me uh, being a very good manager for that particular project. And then right. we, we want, we have some product priorities we need to do in the summer. And then we need to hire more people and then there are no <laughs> managers. So basically I was the only managerial talent. <laughs> on the
0: team.
2: Okay. I'm the manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. So somehow I just still have to, I guess I have to step up to the challenge and mm-hmm. I, I want to get a task done. It's not like, oh, I became the manager. I got promoted. It's more like, oh, I want to solve the problem. I want to um you know let people work together while in a good environment i yeah. want to uh help us succeed mm-hmm. so it's not about the title it's more about getting things done eventually and uh and helping people to enjoy the environment we're working in and and also grow you know their skill sets
0: mm-hmm.
2: i think a wonderful thing about
1: what you said is uh with with Jennifer and I, like we created this podcast. And even just beyond this, like other things we've done, and probably beyond what you're doing um with them with the manager role incentivizer. Uh, when it's something, you know, you maybe we're not super passionate about, we think to ourselves, oh, like I have to do it. Like it's my job or it's my role, it's my position, right? And then when we're so involved in it, like we've with like Jennifer and I have like pulled near all-nighters and we've done a lot of crazy things to get this mm-hmm. off the ground. <laughs> um it doesn't feel like it really doesn't feel like we're doing it because of the role or the obligation. It's because it's like, you're so embedded in the project as you seem to be talking about it also. Like it's, it's just something you're, it's something you do, like it's you care about it to mm-hmm. some level that it's not, it's not about it, about that kind of position or that association with the role at that point. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think that's special when, when that happens, Uh, it doesn't have to be forever it doesn't have to be your dream role it just it when that happens and it happens for some period it me it generally is special for some skills development also feeling like there's like this good place for us to be for you to be for me to be in this position
0: Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's something pushing you or there's like the momentum. Bigger, well, momentum, somehow, yeah, to get you to, inertia <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get this done, yeah, yeah, right. I love it,
2: yeah. And you know, my philosophy of managing is caring, so mm-hmm. I see managing as a way of caring. Um, um I care about the product, I care about the tasks, I care about the people I'm working with, I care about the end customers, I care about the mission that I'm working on. And managing it is just a way to get my vision accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you've now seen me as a good leader or manager. However, when I was in undergrad, I did a strength test. And yes. leadership was my bottom one. I was like, no, I need to grow my leadership. So I took leadership courses, start reading leadership books, leadership podcasts, and somehow... Like I just got super interested in it and I practiced the, uh, the principles that I learned from those books.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it worked and I went, oh, this is super interesting. I just feel like I'm growing as a person as well. Not just as a, you know. It's not uh, one dimensional. Yeah, when it's not yeah. one dimensional. It's integral to my personal growth mm-hmm. and I want to lead from who I am rather mm-hmm. than just from the position itself
0: yeah I love the way that you put like leadership managing as well because you often we think about like leaders or managers it's like you're almost above a team of Mm -hmm. people and then you're kind of you have like more power and more responsibility um but you put it in almost a way that you are with uh, your with your team right leading Mm -hmm. as like with caring about the team caring about the product yeah Mm I really really love that thought yeah there is
1: a, I haven't read his books, but there's a said so there's an author, ethnologist, whatever his name is, Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. And he has a Ted talk where he compares leadership to like a good leader is like a good parent. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of analogous to your idea of, you know, leadership is like, care, like you care about a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And of course you care about your people and beyond mm-hmm. that. And good leaders, you know, a, a good, a good parent would never see their kids and say, Oh, like, you know, you messed up. We got to, gonna sell sell you like you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) my parents told me that (laughs) that (laughs) analogy and he said you know we you know we have we we have to keep the car or we keep you I'm sorry but like things like like he made an analogy an analogy like that and he said no like you make it work um everybody tends to suffer a little bit so no one has to suffer a lot uh and that's kind of what it reminds me of like that kind of like the empathetic Uh, Regard for people and people everywhere, not just the people you care for, but the people you're designing for and the Mm -hmm. stakeholders and all of that. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. See, uh, every leader has their own strengths, Um, and I guess you know the the leadership style you choose will you know will be natural to you and Mm -hmm. feel authentic. For me and my personality is you know pretty caring, so it's you know I guess when I'm a leader, I. You know, being a caring leader is authentic to me. But yes, you, you yeah, you know, not no every leader has to be very caring. Uh, but you know, good sense of care is important to you know good leadership in your organization because people need to feel safe around you.
1: That's great. That's a great point. Yeah. Um. Uh, kind of leading into the sort of leading into the next one. You you led twenty plus people in that manager role. Mm -hmm. And the broad range of experiences, seniorities, kind of outside of that immediate team, how did you manage that broad range of relationships, um, especially with people who might have had like more experience with you than you and kind of like, you know, there's a little bit of a difference in power dynamic also. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that experience? Because that's actually kind of common even as a student where maybe someone like a senior engineer maybe might ask me something and Mm -hmm. I have to tell them how to do something or Mm -hmm. this is a common experience for PY students. Mm -hmm. some some guidance from you or just sharing your experiences might be really helpful to hear
0: Mm,
2: i see uh yeah i actually go ask about this question a lot in my interviews with companies (laughs) um but when i really ask myself like what i did make and like that make it work (laughs) um i guess it comes down to respect and curiosity um, mm-hmm. So I was managing, like, you know, postdoc or PhD or grad student. And I was just, you know, recently graduated from uh, undergrad. Mm-hmm. I think just being able to respect and know they know more about the, the, you know, the area and just be curious and respectful when you ask questions, right? You know, they know better than you. You don't have to pretend, right. um, you know, and try to be superior to them. I guess for me, I'm always um, co- very collaborative. I mm-hmm. see people as equals, even if I'm managing them, I don't see them as, I guess, inferior to me. I feel right, it's just a temporary, yeah, that. no, yeah. I don't think so. And I think uh, you, some of my student may be my manager in the future, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you never know. So I think being kind, being curious, and being respectful are so important. It comes down to all this. It's my attitude. Um, And I guess all those tactics or relationship skills just um, come from all those attitudes. I don't know what I did. I just know I want to be respectful. I want to be journey, curious, and I want to get the things done.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. I think this transition perfectly into our next question to almost wrap up all the experience we learned that you uh you did is that you you seem to be you know you you find something interesting either it's with sociology and you mm-hmm. learn about it you're like oh my god this is so cool mm-hmm. or either it's with leadership <laughs> you know you go and like read all the books yeah. um and then and i think with all of your experiences you like put you have you you go into it with curiosity and willingness to learn and i'm wondering if this has something to do with how you ended up finding your interest into these areas, either leadership or healthcare or human factors. And what are your tips on for a student, especially undergraduate student, when they're trying to decide, oh my God, what field do I do? Uh, what field of research do I pursue? Which mm-hmm. job creator path should I pursue? What are your tips on that and your, your thoughts on how you end up finding your interest? Okay, a simple phrase, start trying
2: and start reading. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's so many resources uh, online mm-hmm. uh, that are easily available at our, at our fingertips. So if you are curious about leadership, why not just check out a TED Talk or read a book? Um, you know, if you are uh, intrigued by the content, you know, read more. Um, right. If you are curious about doing research, okay, send, a, send some emails to professors who have similar interests. Um, even if you don't really know what kind of... You know research area you want to explore um just start somewhere and maybe you start working on a project you learn more about your strengths and oh mm-hmm. this gets interesting then you want to go deeper if not um just uh, try something new um so i think it comes down to uh courage to try something new mm-hmm. um and being willing to expand yourself. Um, also surround yourself with communities that are conducive to your growth. Um, yeah, but I will talk about this later when we, when, when we reach the end of the episode. <laughs> that
0: sounds good, yeah. That's great. I, I think the last point is really, really important. Like surround yourself with a community. I found myself meeting people outside my program, especially Meisha, but working with <laughs> her on this. I just learned so much that I wouldn't learn from, yep. because, you know, within engineering, because we're all used to seeing kind of things, but meeting like an industrial engineer and talking about um, human factors mm-hmm. and all the project management, I just learned so much more than, uh, than I, I, I know. So definitely just step out of your um, your comfort zone, meet new people. I think that's a mm-hmm. really great way to find find something else you might be interested in that you don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know, when I was in my undergrad, I was super passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. And some friends just reach out to me and ask me, "Oh, what do you do? Uh, why why you so happy?"
0: And,
2: <laughs> uh, and I just tell them what I do, and then they actually got interested, and they became industrial engineer later. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I actually hired probably five industrial engineers, and I'm very proud of it. And I do love what I do, and I genuinely care.
1: I love that. Yeah, you know, I really got that. Um, I guess context, you know, you, like you were my TA in MIE 344. And I really got that. I remember uh, there were five assignments, like as a part of a major project for that course. And uh, I think uh, you provided like very detailed feedback for a bunch of that. And our group had taken a bunch of feedback from uh, yourself and um, teaching team. And we were able to make like, you know, do another iteration, like we were doing a design project and do some really good work from what was originally like a school project and make it something that we could present at a research conference
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: don't know if that would happen like I don't think that's an average thing for like a TA's feedback to just like you know even if it's you, of TTA's feedback to like make such a difference in a project's direction so uh I can tell <laughs> I think a lot of people can tell um mm. who, who you who have been in your classes
2: mm. I'm very proud of you <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yes. I'm, I'm really happy to have, I think like we are our communities, like we're the mm-hmm. result of our communities.
2: Yeah. We build each other up.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we'll begin the lightning round. First question. <gasps> okay. What movie book or podcast do you recommend? Integrity. Uh by Henry Cloud. What life-changing item did you buy as a university student, uh, I guess undergrad for you, for less than $50?
2: Oh, LinkedIn Learning. <laughs> okay. Um, Or like Coursera.
1: That's a great one. Um, I've tried both of those out. I like them both. Um, what's the biggest area of growth you've experienced during your undergrad?
2: Looking at life as a process rather than just getting the results.
1: Okay. And what would you do, be doing if not what you're doing now?
2: Very good question. Maybe I will be a dancer. Uh, what is your favorite quality about yourself? I think uh, being curious and having the courage to try the things that was interesting.
1: Love that. Okay. Uh, so that concludes the lightning round. Thank you for participating.
0: Right. So we just have a few more questions to just wrap this conversation up. And this is usually, I think, um, my personally favorite part because our guests always have really, really great answers for these sections. So then our next question, where we usually explore the idea of success with our guests and you've done a lot of amazing things, like you mentioned, you have like a lot of amazing experiences. Um, So what do you think is the most valuable thing that you have done or learned? Um, from university or just throughout your career in general?
2: Uh, I actually reflect on this question quite regularly. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was in my first year, I started doing this habit of uh, goal setting planner. Uh, So I actually do goal planning um, every every semester. So Mm -hmm. I plan, you know, the the areas of growth I want to develop and the the strengths I have, how how can I use my gifts? to serve the extended community and, um, and at my job. Um, so I think that regular goal planning was really useful for me and to feel successful by the end of you know, this month, this quarter, this year, um, you know, we can kind of look at a different timescale. Um, but for me, it's really important to understand how I will feel successful by the end of the day achieving the short-term or long-term goal or pursuing my life mission. Uh, Definitely, you know, we can define success as, uh, you know, making a difference in the world, but that could be very general, right? So I think success looks different at different stages of life. You know, Mm -hmm. for someone who is, um, you know, disabled or aged, you know, maybe success means something different from, you know, from someone who is 25 and starting their career, want to accomplish something in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, first I would define success as um, a life of continuous personal growth Mm -hmm. and a life of integrity. Uh, I want to be the person that I desire to become and I want to live out my values. So I think first be aligned with the vision I have for myself is very really important. I think if you gain a lot of things, but losing yourself in the midst is nothing, right? It doesn't mean yeah. much for me. So I want to, um, you know, be true to myself first. And, and then from there, I want to serve others and using my skills uh, in a holistic way to benefit the society. Um, and, you know, there are different demands in reality. Um, and you, sometimes, you know, just your family have incidents and you have to, you know, respond to that. You may lose track of your career goals yeah. because of that, those circumstances. So mm-hmm. I do think we need to check in with ourselves regularly uh, so that we can feel fulfilled and, you know, really, uh, I guess find meaning in the things we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The checking in is so important, especially when there are breaks or something happens. I mean, the career is such a small part of our, I mean, depending on what you choose, it can be a small part of the week and other stuff happens and you never know what extreme sometimes emergencies happen and yeah. it throws you off. And then yeah. it's really easy to forget. Like it's, it's really easy to question because it's the first thing that, that gets attached because it tends to have the least emotional value, mm-hmm. especially if you're not doing something that, um, you like you feel that kind of sense of obligation. I mean, you feel obligation to maybe not a sense of embedding, like feeling mm-hmm. like you're embedded with it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's such a great point, mm-hmm. I, being able to check in. Yeah, that purpose.
2: And I think success has so many aspects. You know, that your relationship with family, friends, your community—not just career. But I think in North American people are very career-driven. Yeah. Um, that's the feel I get from engineering. Everyone wants to <laughs> work in the big companies. If you're yes. working uh if if you're not working for a summer, you are kind of like a failure. I really want to uh change that um culture um uh, mm-hmm. I want to uh encourage people to try the things they want to do rather than just pursue like a big gig big company, but not really enjoying what they do mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah eventually you are living your life you are not living your title mm-hmm. um, you are experiencing you know, the interactions with the people around you and, you know, the, and you are working on the task. Um, so I think it's really important to find what you love and the people you want to work with.
0: Mm-hmm. This might not be the best time to bring this up, but I want to circle back to the <laughs> goal planning that you are talking about. Do you right? have like a mm-hmm. certain template um, that yeah, you can always
1: can use? Can you hand that over
0: to yeah, me? Yeah, maybe we can share that. <laughs> I mean, I love how we just talked about it doesn't matter, <laughs> but um, but, no, but I think that would be very helpful, like every semester, because those are not just specific also like, oh, what I wanted to, you know, this mm-hmm. job that I wanted to get. I think you're talking about more general on what strength you wanted to build and what skills you wanted to build over a year. So I thought that would be really um, um, just cool for a student to have if you mm-hmm. have like a word template that we can even just share
2: uh, mm-hmm. as a
0: resource. Mm-hmm. yeah I yeah. would
2: we'll be happy to share so when right. i first started using the i guess using i guess having this habit uh i tried using some templates from online websites yeah
0: and,
2: but as i start having more i guess regular routines um i developed my own template so i yes. basically check out kind of doing like uh, benchmarking right mm-hmm. and then you basically do something more <laughs> it's your own uh, design process yeah more user friendly for yourself yeah you are the end user you just design for yourself mm-hmm. um, you know uh it's, yeah i think so some you know students can also um make a template for themselves but i'm definitely happy to share what i did for myself and then they can look at it as an example
0: for sure. Yeah, we'll have that in the attachment. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, TA for all TA- of <laughs> <TA> for <them>. like <laughs> You'll start like a trend, all the student, engineering students will start to use it. Um, no, no, that's really cool. So I think by the time that this episode is going to come out, we'll. Uh, I think we'll have some incoming frosh. Hopefully they'll be like checking our podcast because we contributed to their um, frosh kit. So if you were to give an advice to an incoming first year student who just entered university, what mm. would be the main advice that you give to them? I know you shared so much of your insights and um, experiences already, but if you were to just sum it up in three sentences, um, how what would your advice be? First, uh, create a conducive environment for growth um,
2: that may involve, you know, communities, mentors, and friends who can help support you and help you in your personal development. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then second, uh, be intentional and diligent about self-discovery and personal growth. You are just embarking on a life journey of, you know, after leaving your family, um, you know, is there, so the world is waiting for you to discover. So mm-hmm. be open-minded and be intentional about developing ourselves. Mm, the third i would say gpa is not everything mm-hmm. uh, be, be become an interesting person those are great great pieces of advice if
1: we have um so thank you for that if we have anybody who's listening to the podcast and they feel like you know they they resonated with you and they really want to maybe like reach out to you or get in touch mm-hmm. um what's the best way to do that
2: uh, they can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I will be around campus in the fall. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to uh, meet up with people and have a call or something. Uh, I'm definitely happy to help others.
1: Awesome. Okay, so LinkedIn are on campus. Everything, all resources that are mentioned during this episode will be in the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. This was Bella Zhang um, on 1% Inspiration. Thank you so much, Bella.
2: It has been my pleasure. I really enjoy talking with you too.
0: Hi, Jennifer here. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1% Inspiration. Please follow us to stay updated with new episodes and find more ways to connect with us on our Simplecast website at 1-inspiration.simplecast.com in our summary. On our website, you can suggest a guest who you want us to talk to, find our social media accounts, and sign up to stay in touch to receive research resources and updates. Stay safe and stay tuned for the next episode.